0: Hello, my name is Will Shaw. I will soon be graduating from the University of Tennessee, Knoxville with a Bachelor of Science in Political Science with minors in Religious Studies, Spanish, and Latin American and Caribbean Studies. I'm a rugby player and debate team member at the University of Tennessee. I'm interested in history, particularly war and military strategy. I will be attending Belmont College of Law in the fall of 2021. My academic research has spent much time pondering on the big questions of structuralism in our world, how governments form, and where humans find themselves in the search of truth in this endless universe. I'm also a person who has deeply studied religion as a whole and asked questions like, why is God the way God is? And how did religion get here? These topics are explored in some of my other writings that you may like that include assumptions built around conservatives and Christians, the tough questions, and our world now and how we got here. Thank you for coming to my podcast, and I hope you enjoy. Hello. Welcome back to Will's Podcast. We are here for my Hilla 383 final on the alternate history of Haiti. Let's take a ride together into another past. We start off in a very dire place. Our man, Toussaint Louverture, the year 1795. And his purpose is to save his nation that hasn't even been founded yet. Will he be able to do it? And can he build an empire in the Caribbean out of the rubble of a new nation? Let's find out. Now, for those of us who know anything about what Toussaint Louverture was doing in 1795, in the real world, he was in prison. But in our alternate timeline, he's going to escape confinement to go on one of the most valuable missions that could have saved Haiti during the early years of its independence. Toussaint Louverture makes a trip to the United States of America, a new nation with not a lot of power, but a lot of way to go to help others, and makes a desperate plea to George Washington to live up to the values that America espouses so vehemently. Now, anyone who knows their American history would ask the question, didn't George Washington own slaves? Well, yes, he did. But George Washington had to keep his opinion about slavery to himself due to his political career. According to MountVernon.org, despite having been an active slaveholder for 56 years, George Washington struggled with the institution of slavery and spoke frequently of his desire to end the practice. At the end of his life, Washington made the decision to free all his slaves in his 1799 will, the only slaveholding founding father to do so. HistoryNet.com can also tell us that George Washington was actually a very vehement abolitionist, but wasn't able to speak about it very much due to his political career and the fragility of the nation that he had just founded. But in our alternate timeline, when Toussaint Louverture comes calling, Washington's going to have the Pernache to stand up to the southerners that still have all the plantations and be able to help his new friends in Haiti. According to the New England Historical Society, John Adams, the second president of the United States, had intelligence that the Dominicans had enough strength to win independence from France. So, once he had the chance, John Adams actually supported Toussaint Louverture with economic aid, arms, munitions, and the US Navy in real life. So, in our situation, Toussaint Louverture will receive this same help, but it will also help to prove the legitimacy of the government by having foreign powers recognize them as official. Thanks to the help from Washington and the Americans, Toussaint L'Ouverture is able in 1802 to stop the French from returning and restoring their authority on the island of Haiti. Napoleon Bonaparte is sent packing, and the Spanish have to leave as well because the entire island of Haiti for the first time is under the control of the Haitians in the first successful slave revolution in the history of the New World. According to Dr. Mary Beth Norton, Thomas Jefferson purchased the Louisiana Territory from Napoleon for $15 million in 1803. This will again happen in our timeline as Napoleon's hopes of an American empire are once again dashed and he will have to save face by going back to Europe with his tail tucked between his legs. Now that Haiti's become an independent nation, there's going to need to be a framework for their society to build off of. So in our timeline, much like in the real world, Haiti's Constitution will be modeled a lot after the American Constitution, and maybe even more so due to the fact that Washington and the Americans helped the Haitians preserve their freedom. Now fast forward to the War of 1812, and as Francis Scott Key writes the Star-Spangled Banner while overlooking Fort McHenry, he sees a glimmer on the horizon. It's a Haitian flag on board a Haitian ship in unison with the rest of the haitian navy who comes in and saves the americans in a dire situation that yes they might have got out of in the real world but in this one who knows without their help what would have happened thanks to the quick actions of haiti during the war of 1812 they're given favored nation status now under all new trade agreements with the united states and king Henri, due to this will be able to maintain much easier control over the island of haiti now According to Thayer Watkins at San Jose State University, King Henry's rule was severe, but as export production improved, standards of living in his kingdom improved as well. This is something that we could note happening much more frequently in the Haiti that we're discovering due to the fact that they will have a much bigger middle class and they will have much more land to start using the resources for. Moving on from the War of 1812, we will now see how Haiti establishes itself as a regional hegemon in the Caribbean region. According to Bob Corbett of Webster University, Haiti looks like much of the rest of the world in 1818. The huge mass of Haitian people still struggle along doing subsistence farming and supplementing this with a bit of trade at the market. The rich of the city still make their money by ownership of rural land. However, in our scenario, that's going to change. So, King Henri is going to be able to change that by doing one thing, establishing a new system of sharecropping so that Haitian farmers can start making money off of the coffee and other exports that they grow, while the landowners will be making less money, which establishes a middle class in the Haitian community, furthering the control of this new legitimate government. Due to Haiti being a hegemon in the Caribbean region much like the United States, Monroe Doctrine doesn't exactly make sense in our scenario, but The Monroe and Henri Doctrine does make sense under a partnership between the United States and Haiti. According to William A. McCorkle of the American Academy of Political Science and Social Science, the most vital controls of the Monroe Doctrine when it happened were our peace and happiness and our peace and safety. He says that it is an idol for any authority to contend that such a principle is so vital as this does not have the real potency and effect in international law. He knew exactly what he meant when he said this because in our reality, the same thing's going to happen. It's going to be to promote the peace and happiness of the people that live in the North American, Central American, South American, and Caribbean continents and areas. Haiti will help this by being a regional hegemon that regulates trade within the Caribbean area, which the United States will allow them to do through their favored nation status. Now, when we think about why the Civil War came about, we often think of the northern versus the southern states, states' rights, and obviously slavery. But what inspired this new spark of a new rebellion that people talked about here? Well... What happened was in 1859, a man named John Brown was reading Toussaint Louverture's writings and actually was inspired by them. So he tried to lead a slave revolt of his own on Harper's Ferry and actually seized a armory that was belonging to the federal government and would have succeeded if the slaves in his area had helped him. This also proves that within our timeline, Haiti does have a lot of influence in the United States, whether we see it in the real world here today or not. Now moving on to the Civil War. Haiti, being a former colony of slaves, will be siding with the Union, and they will help during the blockade of the southern states as well as really help during the siege of Vicksburg. Now, Ulysses S. Grant is having a hard time getting into Vicksburg for one reason. Vicksburg is posited on the side of a cliff next to the ocean in Mississippi. This makes it very hard for you to gain entrance to the city unless you either A, go into the narrow paths of the city, which the Confederates have blocked, or B, go through the sea. As Ulysses S. Grant looks up after this, as this long siege carries on, he sees a very, very familiar face on the horizon. It's the Haitian flag. And it's not anybody, but it's faber Nicholas Gaffard, the exact person he needed to see, bringing the Haitian navy to end the siege that had lasted for almost a year now. This would help, obviously, end the Civil War, and it would help Haiti in their favored nation status with the United States in the future as well. After the Civil War... Haiti moves on to establishing a sustainable coffee economy due to this being their number one export. And because of this, Haiti will actually become, in this scenario, the number one producer of coffee within the Caribbean, North America, and South America. This will greatly help Haiti be an economic power in the region and have a lot of pull with the United States and other nations in the area in the future. Sadly, thanks to African markets, during the 1980s, coffee prices will drop dramatically and Haiti will enter a depression and they will have to find a different non-agricultural product to make that replaces coffee. This would be what they make in real life and export the most today, cotton apparel. Haiti will be doing this up until the early 2000s when it will suffer multiple terrorist attacks due to the closeness with the United States and they will aid the United States in the war on terror in the Middle East. In the 2010s, Haiti will enter another depression after the 7.0 magnitude earthquake in 2010. And in our timeline, they will just now be coming out of this depression after it takes much longer to rebuild its infrastructure than expected. But they are once again ready to step onto the world stage and be a hegemon in the Caribbean region. Now for some credits to my sources. I wanted to say thank you to Mount Vernon Memorial, HistoryNet.com, Abdul Rob. From blackhistorymonth.org, William A. McCorkle from the American Journal of Political Science and Social Sciences, Dr. Thayer Watkins from Webster University, Historicity.com, Dr. Mary Beth Norton, Dr. Kyle Salmon, the New England Historical Society, and Dr. Felipe R. Girard. Thank you all.